Here's what you missed on the last episode of Queerly Human. I interviewed Dr. Lucas Wilson about the psychological impact of conversion therapy. We explored shame and internalized homophobia, and I highly encourage you all to check that out if you haven't listened to that episode yet. And on today's episode, you are in for a treat. We will be addressing the misrepresentation of queer people in media and how these stereotypical tropes that cater to heterosexual viewers are destructive for queer audiences. So, I want to thank you all for tuning in into another episode of Queerly Human. I'm Carlos, your host, and joining me today is an accomplished and well-respected author, Luisa Fernanda Benitez, whose pronouns are they, them. Fur has published two New York best-selling books, and today they are here to give insight into their new, highly anticipated book, Multifaceted Queerness, Existing in Media and Misrepresentation, that will be out on the shelves on December 27th. Hi, Fur. Thank you for coming. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. So like when I got your email, I was so excited. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Um, I'm so excited. Thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. No, thank you for agreeing to be here. You know, actually, my messages have been flooded for months by our listeners asking to have you be on the show. And now you're finally here. And you're promoting your book, right? So we're probably all freaking out right now. But, you know, I do want to thank you for sending me a copy of your book. Of course. Um, Did you get a chance to skim the book? I'm so sorry. My assistant sent it late. Um, What did you think? You know, I'm not going to be pointing any fingers here. But yes, I did read a couple of chapters over the weekend. And let me tell you this. This is an award-winning book, truly, and it's much needed in today's society. You truly do an amazing job on addressing all the misrepresentation of queer people that we see in media today. And I definitely connected with your book, to be quite honest with you. And I know our viewers will also relate to it once they get a hold of it in a couple of weeks. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, without going into too much detail for, like, From what I've read so far, you talk about being seen in the context of media and existence. And I know that in particular, in chapter two, you definitely did focus on tropes a lot, which I found quite intriguing, to be honest with you. But, you know, before our before we get started, for our viewers who don't know what this is, can you like explain to us the definition of tropes? Of course, of course. So um, they are a storytelling device and they uh, help us communicate figuratively and symbolically. And you can use um, objects, concepts, people, and they are amazing tools that uh, writers can use really efficiently to make beautiful stories. So in no, by no means are they bad. But um, when tropes are overused and when people rely on them way too much um, to use, like to like set as some sort of expectation for the audience, they can easily turn really weird and they can eventually evolutionize into cliches. (laughs) That's definitely interesting. So I have an example in mind. Can the stereotypical gay best friend be a trope? Yes, yes, they are 
a very good example of what a trope is. <laughs> and if y'all don't know what a typical gay best friend is, it's the one that we see like in every movie, but it's never the main character. They're yes. always a supporting role. <laughs> always the side character. So with that in mind, like I do want to stop you there because I need to give an important public announcement that should be in the Bill of Rights at this freaking point. Like to the audience that listening in, especially to those straight people listening, I want to give this loud and clear disclaimer. This doesn't represent every single person in the queer community. It doesn't. Not all of us wants to be your gay best friend, let alone your friend in general. Like, trust me, you're not that interesting. So stop forcing us to be your gay best friend because you see it in movies. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is a incredibly frustrating trope. Um, I mean, real people, real life people are getting reduced to an archetype that was meant for fictional characters. And it's really difficult for people to want to separate themselves from this trope because this persona turned stereotype is projected onto like almost every gay person so it's like really frustrating I agree and you know I do want to be realistic here do you actually think that any gay person really connect with the typical gay character because I mean I know for me and speaking from my experience growing up and watching movies and tv shows on some level I never really connected with them you know I will be honest I do connect with them in, in the terms of like, you know, liking dick and such. But, you know, their whole identity as a gay best friend, it's not that fully relatable. Like, can you explain why is that, though? Yes, of course. So in, historically, in mainstream media, we have been excluded, you know. And so we're really limited in the variety of what type of representation we'll get, you know. So in my book, I go into depth of how in how like specifically people of color aren't able to relate to these characters you know the lack of diversity in the already small amount of queer media we have makes it really hard to relate to these characters I am glad that you brought it up because I actually wrote it down while I was taking some notes reading your chapters you know we've been excluded for years we've been portrayed in films but frequently we've been overlooked and not transparent right I mean, do you remember the Hays Code that was enacted in the 1930s? Yes, 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 I you do. You know, this was for, um, this is where movies were prohibited from showing the homosexuality, you know? It's not okay that, you know, we are being forced to not connect with the character. And yes, this has passed, you know, it's been years, but it still made a huge impact and we continue to face the consequences till this day. And, you know, I recall reading a survey from, I believe, GLAAD, that mentioned that thousands of queer people don't feel fully represented in the media. I mean, it's true. For queer people of color, the media still fails with adequate and healthy representation. Yes, and I mean, it's not surprising at all to hear that because these laws that may have been enacted or like in place years ago, of course, have a long-lasting effect on us today, Um, whether that is on making us late to providing this type of representation for people you know um I mean have you heard of uh, George M. Johnson oh yes they're amazing yes. yes he's a good friend of mine and in his book all boys aren't blue he talks about this experience and I remember reading uh this pe- and I remember it so well because it resonated really deeply with me and he said uh whenever he did see snippets of like 
queer representation on you know in media and books and whatever uh he almost never identified with it you know and it's horrible it's horrible um and this is why the mere inclusion of explicitly queer characters is not something we can celebrate anymore uh you know before non-villainized queer people in media were a revolution this was new really cool amazing things but now it's really outdated and we need more things the gay best friend in particular was meant to show a more positive perspective on gay people i mean it's perfect you know perfect platonical platonically amazing companion for a straight woman but uh now it's just evolved for evolved to gay men being a an accessory to to women and whether it's that trope or whether it's the closet jock or the hot lesbian you know hot lesbian only for male gratification because you know women are only meant to be hot for men uh these all of these characters have something in common and it's that they're very exaggerated really simplified and they work like caricatures and they're only meant to be that in a way that is accepted by straight people uh and that's what's so dangerous for this type of representation because it perpetuates a really exclusive and unrealistic guideline of how to be the right type of gay person and it's really annoying you know I agree yes and it is very dangerous and you know to be honest like I don't know which is worse for an oversimplified caricature to represent all queer people or no representation at all like Mm -hmm. this is truly a loose-loose situation for all queer people so with your expertise in this subject for like what do you think causes more harm though Well, both are horrible, and they perpetuate a huge amount of misinformation and stereotypes while using queerness to tell a story, you know, and use queerness to push a story forward without the actual intention of centering queerness at all. So, and it does this all while profiting off the idea of being progressive. Well, not actually being progressive, obviously. Um, and both of them are harmful in their own ways. And it, you know, really sucks that in the 21st century, we're, we're having these discussions, you know, uh, which is less preferable. You know, it's either our, through no representation, our existence is rejected, you know. And then on the other side of the coin, the same thing is happening. But the only thing that's different is the marginalization in the media is painting the minuscule, mentions in the media in the in films and books as enough and picking one over the other would be not fair you know the double-edged sword you know uh now our horrible excuse for misrepresentation is given a participation award for you know uh, and it's a different way of being rejected existence you know our mo- mo- our existence of multifaceted queerness wow so you definitely bring some amazing points there i agree with you 100% and even when there's representation we still have to take into account diversity and intersectionality like yeah. i mean 
does it only highlight well-built cisgender gay white men or does it even include people of different races sexualities gender or identities and sizes so like can we be real do you actually feel like we're heading in the right equity-minded direction like like yes i know we now have more queer characters in books and in movies that you know that are, that are being streamed in mainstreaming services like Netflix and Hulu. But do you honestly think that it's enough? No, honestly, no. Of course not. Um, while I mean, I, I guess I can admit there is a little bit more dimension in queer representation, and in its own way, that's great. But many times it's a it's about being seen and not recognized. Uh, uh, let me explain. So it's like we're being looked at, like if we're a spectacle, and it really upsets me. Like the only way I could put it is like if we're in a fucking zoo, you know, like a queer zoo. Like we're like we're on display, you know. That's so interesting that you say, like they're watching us from a distance, like voyagers just profiting from our dehumanization. <laughs> like, I definitely think we found our title so far for this episode. <laughs> oh, LOL. Um, interesting title choice. I'm, I'm glad you appreciate that analogy. Um, but honestly, they do. Pro- I mean, it does profit from our existence, our, exp- our despair, our happiness. It this type of representation profits off highlighting difference, you know? It, a re- oh, actually, a really good article on this, on representation, is, um, are you familiar with Stuart Hall? Um, n- not so much. Did Stuart ever talk about um, anything related to this? Yes, yes. Um, he talked to, on his article on uh, representation, he uh, talks a lot about how we're obsessed with otherness. Oh, that's very, very interesting. So what exactly did he talk about, about, you know, being obsessed with this and such? Well, he talks about, um, you know, difference and how it's used to form in groups, you know, and we're really, you know, in this society, we're really focused on finding the in group and the out group, because when it's more easily distinguishable, uh, we're able to work in the extreme binaries way easier you know yeah like i know like i mean we see this all the time where it has to be one or the other it's you're gay or you're straight you're overwhelmingly beautiful or you're hideous and i think it's because representing differences engages with a lot of feelings of discomfort anxiety in the viewer i believe so right yes exactly exactly and in figuring out you know what the in-group is and participate actively participating in the in-group you're granted a lot of safety you know and making these things black or white it makes it it gives you a lot of room to be in the in-group and it gives no space for mistakes in what's the out-group you know yes yes and in reality it's not black and white not at all not at all and it's especially ironic because a lot of these times there's expectations to fill you know both of these roles like an example is like with queerness actually um it's you know you're gay you're the other you're the outsider but you still have to fit within the guise of heteronormativity you know because that's the only way to be correctly queer um especially in the media in the media you know 
uh, we see a lot of queerness existing on the condition of being digestible, you know, uh, as close to the norm as possible. And this leads to a lot of uh exclusive inclusivity you know and this is of course what we're supposed to be thankful for so what kind of representation do we actually need and how can we even achieve this where do we start is it going to take more than queer people to fight this you know like straight people Yes, yes, it's going to take everyone. I mean, we as a whole need to gain awareness. Um, Actually, are you familiar with uh, Bell Hooks? No, actually, no. Okay, uh, that's totally fine. Let me let me explain. Uh, so they have some writing on the oppositional gaze. And this relates to what we were talking earlier about, you know, the spectated and spectator dynamic. Uh we need to take ownership of systems like homophobia, transphobia, ableism, sexism, and, you know, all that other shit, um, and see how that impacts media representation. And we need to stop gaslighting or discouraging people from critiquing that, you know? Hook talks a lot about how much pressure there is on not viewing things less critically in order to enjoy them, you know? And... This is really relevant to the conversation in queer media because, you know, often when we criticize things, we're told to enjoy it, you know? Yes, yes, I agree because that's something we continuously hear from others, you know, how thankful we need to be for the representation we do have despite how big or small it is because we're finally being acknowledged and and we're being seen and therefore, you know, we have to be appreciative of those things. Yes, and that's horrible. We need to move past that. That is so, ugh. Like, we, in order to see proper representation, like people of different colors, different sizes, different genders, sexual orientation, et cetera, in media, we need to work past being based off stereotypes. And that's the only way we'll actually be affirming to people. You know, all of this, you know, diversity will only validate queer experiences in our existence. And again, again, back to the oppositional gaze that, you know, Hook talks about um, on, you know, gestures of resistance on misrepresentation. And and it sucks because a lot of times, you know, queer people, we need a as a way to fight the system. We stop ourselves from enjoying the media that we do have. And it sucks, you know. So we in order to finally be able to enjoy the media that portrays us, it needs to be at least accurate, you know? I agree. Accuracy is very important. And with enjoying it, I also feel that this is will this will aid many in feeling less alone and more yeah. acknowledged in life's hardships. Like mm-hmm. the absence of representation often fosters hostile circumstances that can be everlasting. So I agree again, it's vital. And I hope that it really happens sooner rather than later. I mean, look how long we've waited. And so I definitely want to end, you know, like in a positive, you know, good note, right? So during your research for your book, did you ever come across like any films that actually represent queer people in a positive way? Because I feel like we have talked so much on misrepresentation and on tropes, but for our queer audience, what do you recommend they watch to feel more connected? Uh, let me think about it. Um, so, okay, I watched this movie with my sisters. I love this movie, okay? Off the top of my head, this is the first movie I thought of. Um, Luca. 
It's a super cute uh, Disney movie. You know, it's a children's Disney movie. Have you watched it? <laughs> Never have. But wait, there's a gay Disney movie? <laughs> well, it's, it's not explicitly queer, but it's really queer coded. Okay, wait, I'm very confused now. But didn't you just explain how we need proper representation? Like, how does Luca even fit into this since it kind of goes against what you were fighting for? Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I do come off quite hypocritical here. But um, I mean, in a perfect world, you know, it'd be perfect, but it's not. So, um, but this is a wonderful story. And it will be, it's super beneficial to queer kids who, you know, for example, aren't in the most supportive families, you know, and families that will gate them from queer media that will, you know, provide them with the representation that they need. So through movies like Luca, you know, Albert, um, okay, so let me explain the movie, actually. So there's two kids, Luca and Alberto, and they're both fish people. They're, uh, well, they're like mer people. Well, I don't know, you have to see it. It's kind of like the, that <laughs> one movie where if, the water touches you you turn into movie mermaids you know, have you seen that show h2o yes H2O. yes <laughs> yes but okay so whatever um so they're living in this city in italy i believe and they live by the coast or, or you know by the ocean side and and this city you know relies on fishing oh fishing <laughs> and sea people i kind of yeah. feel like i see where this is going then <laughs> yes 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 this this movie talks a lot in symbolism so the mer people they're like in this group in hiding the well can i spoil it for you is, is that yes, fine please please spoil it spoil it but okay so disclaimer if our audience don't like if you don't like spoilers please pause here and skip it to like a minute from today okay go ahead okay. go ahead Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so I'm not gonna say too much, but at the end they get ex they get outed as mer people, yeah. And so then they're ostracized for a bit. They're scared, and you know that's uh well, this is kind of like their the reaction of the city is kind of why I like it so much. You know, yeah. uh, it encourages compassion, curiosity, and even if there's you know like for example, you know this city. There was hate ingrained into the city. Like they, there was these stories of how these mer people caused harm, and they they were they were supposed to be feared. Okay, okay. They were okay. vicious. Okay, and, so mm -hmm. I kind of pretty much see your point now, right? Like these vicious mer people, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, in real life, it's also pretty much like gay people, right? Like there's a similarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like society is built to get to fear monger to like sh to show that you know difference equals evil and so in the movie in the end it's raining and they're outed and they're accepted and it's all based off seeing people as or you know mer people as who they are for their for themselves you know they're diverse themselves and so you know a really really cute scene that i love from this movie is like in the background uh there's from the beginning of the movie there's these old ladies uh and you know from the beginning since you don't know what's going to happen they seem like totally unrelated un un you don't care about these characters that much you know but at the end these old ladies that you've seen throughout the whole movie they throw their umbrella and they're they're usually they're like these 
angry old ladies for the most part or like you know whatever and they reveal that they're also mer people <laughs> yes and it's so cute especially if you like really read into the subtext it's it shows that you know queer people are all, all around us you you don't you don't know who they are and a lot of times they leave in live live in secrecy out of fear for their safety you know and yeah, you can argue that this movie isn't queer because it's not explicitly queer. And I don't care. You can argue with your mom, you know. Um, <laughs> but I feel like this is a perfect example of queerness in movies. And it's so beautifully done because it doesn't, it just shows people and their relationships intimately, you know, interpersonal relationships in ways that a lot of times queer movies don't get to show because they're so focused on acceptance and you know despairing queer people and stereotypical things you know wow yeah I definitely need to see Luca right now <laughs> so this is definitely a great way to end this episode for her. and you know I definitely want to thank you for suggesting that movie to myself but also to the audience that I do hope that you know we get more movies like Luca that has more queer representation in them and more queer characters as well but I also want to be mindful of your time. So I feel like I owe it to the listeners to ask you this question. Can I Can I um, ask you? Of course, any question, any question. <laughs> Perfect. So for the listeners want to know, what's next for you? Like, is there anything you haven't done yet that you want to do? Yes, and I never thought I would say this, but um, I'm actually, I'm getting into directing. Okay, <laughs> hold on, because you have not told me this already. Hold on, you said directing? Yes. Yes, directing. This is the first time I say it out loud, actually. I mean, like, publicly. You're, you're already a well-respected author, though, for, like, why is it even important for you to go into directing? Well, you know, as you know, I'm really passionate about writing. I love writing. And now I'm striving to getting some of my books up on the screen. And hopefully, you know, uh, we can get that representation that is really needed for queer people, you know? And I mean, it would be way easier to sell my stories and, you know, probably way faster, too. But um, I want to have creative control, you know, in the production of my story and the way it's being presented, because we don't have a lot of, you know, queer people telling our stories. And I feel like that's the best way to improve diversity and the quality of representation we'll have. And, you know, not being self-righteous or anything, um, I'm not going to single-handedly change the way queer people are portrayed all across media, but, hmm. you know, I'm at least trying to do my part, you know. Uh, we need to break that norm of hearing queer stories through the perspective of straight people and, you know, uh, cis people, and we need to uplift queer voices. I agree with that statement. And, you know, I can't already imagine the massive support you'll get from the community, and, you know, another additional question. Can I ask? Of course, of course. So for just how soon will we see your work on the big screen? It's going to be way sooner than you think. It's um hopefully, you know, uh, it's much needed. And as I've been mentioning, queer characters must be allowed to exist in narratives that normalize their identities. And honestly, all queer people, regardless of age, character, you know, I mean, age, size, color, uh, ability, need to be able to see themselves on the screen. I agree with you for like, 
queer people really truly do need this i mean we need this but you know i also think that non-queer people also need this very much like yes. they need to see the diversity and that not all gays are the same you know like i actually read an article um that found when straight people are more exposed to gay characters on tv and on film they become more accepting of of gay equality yeah yeah and with more acceptance and diversity people will be able to come into themselves with like no pressure on identifying or anything you know i mean oh i, I love their um instagram account i love the fashion that they post but um alok vade menon they talk a lot about um this in the gender binary like how it's a luxury for lg lgbtq people like to come into themselves on their own time because it's something that is usually forced on us you know okay because this brought up like a new different thing as well so like on top of that i remember reading a survey by glad i believe and png in 2020 or 2021 um, and they found that queer representation increased queer acceptance by up to 45%. The wow. reason this works is simple. Seeing queer characters on screen normalizes the existence of queerness. And when they see um, characters have um, compelling inner lives and relatable struggles, queer existence is destigmatized. While this certainly isn't a cure all for all sexuality and gender-based intolerance, it's a great start, especially for every generation, don't you think? Yes, yes, and maybe this way people will be able to, like, reclaim their identities on their own time and not be displaced by a culture that focuses on separating and stigmatizing queer people. Wow, that's that's definitely deep, and I feel like I could talk to you for hours, and I just <laughs> want to say thank you. You know, thank you for giving us hope and thank you for fighting for our representation and and thank you all for listening in. I hope that today's episode shows you that there are people who are fighting for you and do not lose that hope. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're 60, 30, 5 years old, don't lose hope because soon enough, a character you'll connect with will be on that screen of your home. Fur, again, thank you for coming. Make sure you all purchase a copy of first book, multifaceted queerness existing in media and misrepresentation that will be out on the shelves on december 27th bye for bye thank you and with that this concludes the episode tune in next week for another episode where we discuss the lack of trust in gay community thank you this is queerly human